millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. They Walk Among Us is an award-winning true crime podcast. From the sinister and surreal to the brutal and bizarre, join us every other week to hear more on the UK's most notorious and obscure crimes. Featuring well-known cases like the life and crimes of the UK's most violent inmate Charles Bronson, to the sad tale of the Gibbons twins whose string of petty crimes would lead them to be trapped in Broadmoor for 11 years before their eventual release ended in tragedy. We also cover lesser-known cases like the woman who murdered a husband with an ornamental frog and kept him mummified in her shed for 18 years, or the teenager that used his elaborate online fantasy life to plot his own murder. Listen and subscribe to They Walk Among Us through Acast, Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Haunted Visions podcast. We are dedicated to stories of the paranormal, spine-chilling history, and adventures into the darkness of the unknown. So grab a flashlight, lock your doors, curl up under your blankets, and prepare to be scared. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Haunted Visions. My name is Brandy. With me, as always, is my girl, Rachel. Say hi, Rachel. Hi, everybody. How's it going? She's very excited today because we are going to talk about one of her favorite places. This is episode 17. We're gonna, today, we're going to talk about Bobby Mackey's Music World. And for those of you that are not familiar with Bobby Mackey's, we're going to go through it a little bit, but it's a, it's a place that's um, up around Cincinnati. Uh, and it is a well-established fact that the place is creepy and haunted, and so we did a little research on it, and I'm going to let Rachel go ahead and get started telling you all about it. Yeah. I know we have a few listeners that have sent us emails and messages wanting to know if we were ever going to cover this, and of course, because, you know, I live in the area, so we felt like we had to dive into it, but... 
Bobby Mackey's is an unassuming old building, and it sits off a winding road in Wilder, Kentucky, just minutes from downtown Cincinnati. If you blink, you'd miss it. When pulling into the gravel lot, you're greeted by a big red sign that reads Bobby Mackey's. You walk up a few concrete steps to the wooden front doors. You see the red paint on the doors is chipping away, and that's a sign this establishment has seen better days. As you reach for the handle to walk inside, you happen to notice a small handwritten letter. The paper doesn't look like anything special, but chills run down your spine as you read this foreboding message. Warning to our patrons. This establishment is purported to be haunted. Management is not responsible and cannot be held liable for any actions of any ghosts or spirits on the premises. So hopefully that kind of sets the tone. Sounds fair. (laughs) So, Bobby Mackey's is an old honky-tonk with country music, a mechanical bull, billiards, and ice-cold beer. From the outside, you would never suspect that the dark and disturbing history is brewing around literally and figuratively, and it haunts this place. This was once the home of slaughter, ritualistic murder, and sacrifice, mob violence, illegal gambling, and sorrow. Now, eager bar patrons can go have a good time line dancing across the scuffed-up dance floor near the main stage and DJ booth, have a few laughs and drinks, and buy inexpensive ghost tour tickets to see the basement of the building and learn about its creepy history. Brandy, have you ever frequented Bobby Mackey's? Uh, negative. Do you have any desire to go for ghost hunting purposes or anything like that? Or maybe just people watch. There's some interesting people that go there. Well, I'm sure there are, but I have an understanding with the uh, underworld that I don't go into <laughs> their places, and they don't come into mine. Yeah. Although, we'll tell you guys a story later. I think we might have had a brush with a few spirits <laughs> a few weekends ago, but that story is for later. So anyway, the building that Bobby Mackey's is in, um, it was once the site of a slaughterhouse in the mid-1800s. The meat from the livestock would be sold to nearby cities, including Newport, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio. And they're both right along the Ohio River. Here's a gross but necessary fact that will come into play later. There was a well in the basement of the slaughterhouse that led into the Licking River, which really is just a big creek. It's like a little tributary that flows right into the Ohio. And that's where all the blood and the guts of the dead livestock were dumped. This was before the days of environmental regulations because... I don't think I could handle knowing that there was a creek that still had guts and blood flowing through it all the time. Kind of nasty. Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) Anyway, that well still exists in the basement of the building today, but has since been sealed up. As you can imagine, the entire property probably smelled like death. The slaughterhouse closed in the late 1890s, but that didn't stop two nasty men from using the place for their own sadistic pleasures. That makes me think of Janet Jackson. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. (laughs) Why? I don't know. It's two nasty men. I don't know. It's my words. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so here's where things take an even darker turn. And if you have a queasy stomach, you might want to avoid taking another bite of your lunch before listening to this doozy of a story. I know sometimes people listen to us while they're driving or eating or hanging out at work. Well, just spit that candy bar back out or that sandwich. You've been warned. 22-year-old Pearl Bryant from Greencastle, Indiana, was a radiant young beauty who fell head over heels for a well-to-do dentistry student by the name of Scott Jackson. That sounds swanky, doesn't it, Scott Jackson? Mr. Jackson, if you're nasty. (laughs) Mr. Jackson, yes, yes. 
Okay, so she was introduced to Jackson by a trusted friend. Pearl was also from a rich family, so she had no qualms about starting a fiery romance with Jackson. The pair had to keep their rendezvous somewhat secret, as it was not appropriate for a young lady to engage in naughty trysts with devilishly handsome suitors. Sucks. (laughs) These days, I think it's... It happens more frequently, and people aren't as harsh, but back in the day, you know, that basically labeled you a village hoe bag. No matter what your no matter what your stature was. Little did Pearl know, though, that it was rumored Jackson was involved with the occult, and legend has it he was heavily involved with ritualistic animal sacrifice and Satanism that took place in the basement of the old slaughterhouse in Wilder, Kentucky. The lone well in the basement was an easy way for Jackson and his messed up buddies to hide the remains of their sacrifices. So, as most intense romantic relationships turn out, nature took its course and Pearl became with child. Pearl, terrified obviously and scared that this out-of-wedlock pregnancy would besmudge her reputation and her family's good name, sent word to Jackson of their misfortune. Since Jackson was unwilling to propose, yeah, so he gets her pregnant you know, seduces her, basically, but doesn't want to marry her and put a ring on it. So he decides instead that he's going to invite her to Cincinnati, and and he had a plan that would fix everything, or so he told her. He consulted his friend and fellow classmate Alonzo Walling, who decided they could carry out an abortion on Pearl. After all, since they were dentistry students, they had access to the proper medications to sedate Pearl and provide a sanitary space to carry out their procedure. Um... One end is not like the other. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just because you're a dentistry student does not mean that you can perform those kinds of procedures. Tasks. Just saying. Just no. Putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, you know, you'd think that nothing could go wrong then, right, Brandy? Everything goes wrong. Oh, yeah. Shit goes way south. Terribly wrong. So, Pearl was five months pregnant, and she bled out during the start of the procedure, so they hadn't even really got into it yet. So, frantic, Scott and Walling hauled Pearl's body back across the Ohio River. They actually got another friend to help them, basically load her in a wagon covered up because they didn't want to be caught. They got her across the Ohio River, and they dumped her body in a field next to the old slaughterhouse. I just said slaughterhouse. (laughs) I promise I'm not over here drooling on myself. Anyway... They decapitated Pearl in an effort to prevent police from identifying her body. The story goes that they used her head in one of their disgusting rituals and threw it down the well of the basement of the old slaughterhouse. A few days passed, and the clever men thought they had gotten away with the murder. So they're probably hooting it up and, you know, drinking and doing whatever with their satanic rituals, thinking everything's fine. Well, eventually, police did find Pearl's body, and they started asking questions. One thing led to another, and someone recognized that the shoes on Pearl's body were shoes that only a rich person could afford to buy from a very talented and specific cobbler near Greencastle, Indiana. So, Brandy, the investigators, took the shoes to the cobbler, and the cobbler recognized the shoe size and knew that he had only recently made a nice pair of shoes like that for one lady who happened to be Pearl Bryant because he knew, oh, I just, I just made these for her, and she, on- she has the only shoe size like this that I make. And I think her her feet were just a, were slightly bigger for the time than normal. So that's how he knew, oh, yeah, I made those for Pearl. So, and also at this time, Pearl's family had not heard from her in over a week. 
but hadn't panicked as Pearl lied to them about going to Indianapolis to visit friends. So back then, you if someone says they're going on a visit, you expect them to be gone for a week or so before they come back, especially if it's a well-to-do, wealthy family. They don't, they don't see any reason or trouble with it. But one of friends Pearl's confessed to knowing that she went to Cincinnati to see Jackson, and then the police started piecing the rest of the story together. Eventually, they nailed both Scott and Walling with Pearl's murder and sentenced them to hang at the gallows in Newport, Kentucky. And back then, you know, public hangings were, everybody went. Everybody and their mother dressed in their Sunday best and went to a gallows. Um, so because that case was so sens sens sensationalized, many angry spectators came around to witness it. And as the rest of the story goes, Alonzo Walling's last words was that he would haunt the old slaughterhouse and its surrounding territory for all eternity. And then they hung him. Any any uh, thoughts on that, Brandy? Why? That sounds extremely boring. Why would you haunt that? It's not like it. Whatever. I don't know. If I died, I think I'd haunt people at Disney World. And, like, you know, the Haunted Mansion, just to mess with people. They're probably those guys that don't think they did anything wrong. Yeah. So, next up in this fucked up timeline, our murder train stops for a brief visit to Mobster Town. In the 1930s, the Mafia took over Newport, Kentucky. The Ohio River made the area a hot spot for boats coming in and out, carrying contraband and liquor. This was during the days of Prohibition. The old slaughterhouse was knocked down and a new building was constructed over the old slaughterhouse basement, which still contained, you guessed it, the super freaking haunted well, of course. The building was turned into a bar called the Primrose. Since the mob had such a strong presence in the area, they eventually got rid of the original owner and took it over. This guy thought, you know, I'm going to make life for myself. I'm going to open this up. I'm going to build this. The mob didn't help build that place. He built it with his own bare hands and his life savings. And, of course, they started bullying him and said, you know, we want a cut. And they wanted, I think, like 75% of his business for everything. And... They freaked him out, and a couple bad things started happening, and there he, he realized he needed to get the hell out of Dodge, so the mob took it over. So they ran the guy out, and they started illegal gambling operations in the basement of the bar. They also sold liquor and had several lovely ladies to warm the laps and, the in and empty the wallets of the big spenders who visited the area, which, of course, it sounds like it was a low-key brothel. There's no real evidence of that, but I would assume that's what was happening. And what happened to all the poor bastards who got into huge gambling debts and owed the mafia but couldn't pay up? What do you think happened? They went down the well. They went down the well. So I'm glad, you know, that you think so because, ding, 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 you're right. They were either taken into a bricked-up room in the basement and beaten senseless, you know, if it was their first or second offense. But some were even murdered by the mobsters who let their tempers get the best of them. So there are thoughts that body parts went down the wells um there's thoughts that you know they were sleeping with the fishes in the ohio river but the only witnesses to that level of cruelty were the fish and amphibians of the muddy ohio so brandy <laughs> do you like my wordsmithing over here Bored. <laughs> all right uh, as most may have noticed, once police and lawmakers find out that illegal stuff is hitting the fan in an establishment, they shut it all down. Uh, the mob decided Newport and Cincinnati were no longer lucrative cities, and they packed up and moved on to higher stakes in cities like Chicago and New York. Police cracked down on the surrounding area and got rid of all the bad juju, or so they thought. Enter the opening of the Latin Quarter in the 1950s. 
This was a hot tamale of a dance club. You like what I did there? I, I see what you did there. Featuring lots of sultry entertainment. The club was run by a hard-ass, no-nonsense man whom was reported to have some loose ties to the mob reps that had previously run the Primrose. His daughter, Joanna, danced and worked at the club. That's a good daddy. She was a beauty. One night, she caught the opening act of a dreamy singer by the name of Robert Randall. He became a regular musical act at the club, and the two began to have a secret affair, which caught the eye of Joanna's father, which means it wasn't so secret. She became pregnant with Randall's baby. People need to learn what causes that. (laughs) And the two lovers wanted to run away together. Joanna knew her father would never approve as he tried to control every aspect of her life. No man was ever good enough for Joanna in his eyes, especially not a lounge singer like Robert Randall. Joanna was able to keep her pregnancy hidden from her father, but once her pregnancy reached the five-month mark, she knew she had to run away with Randall. Joanna's father had hired some of his criminal friends to kill Randall, and Joanna never saw him again. Her father led her to believe that Randall had abandoned her, and she was crushed. One night shortly after Randall's disappearance, Joanna was eavesdropping on her father's conversation with his thugs. Mm -hmm. They were discussing the details of Randall's murder. Joanna and her father got in a huge knockdown drag-out fight. Inconsolable and beside herself, she poisoned her father's drink several nights later. Though he ventured close to death's threshold, he managed to survive the poisoning. Joanna also poisoned herself. After ingesting the poison, she wrote a poem. How very Romeo and Juliet. It's, this is actually really sad. <laughs> she wrote a poem about her lover and the sorrow she felt in her heart. She ached to be in the next life with Randall. She then walked down to the dancers' dressing rooms in the basement of the club and died. Her suicide note slash poem to her deceased lover is still visible today on a wall in the apartment of the second floor, directly above where the stage is today. And it reads as such. My love is as deep as the sea that flows forever. You ask me when it will end, I tell you never. My love is as bright as the sun that shines forever. You ask me when it will end, I tell you never. The world may disappear like a castle of sand, but I'll be waiting here, my heart in my hand. My love, I love you so much. My heart cries out for you forever. You ask me... when it will end, and I tell you never. Is that not the saddest damn thing you've read? That just breaks my heart. She wrote that as she was dying. Mm. And there's pictures of it, if anyone's curious. It's still on the apartment, actually, the second floor of the apartment, and it's all kind of scrambled, but, you know, I feel bad that the poor woman was so heartbroken that she felt that was the only way out. Yeah, it's a little... Her rhyming's a little obvious. Well, yeah. No one said she was a poet. (laughs) The Latin Quarter changed hands and was renamed the Hard Rock Cafe in the early 1970s. And it's not the same Hard Rock Cafe you want to go grab a beer and a burger at. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It attracted a super rough crowd, so rough in fact that shootings and stabbings were quite a common occurrence. In 1978, the bar had to be shut down due to the high crime. Are you starting to see a pattern yet? Bobby Mackey, side note, his full name is Robert Randall Mackey, creepy, complete coincidence, saw an opportunity to buy the rundown club to turn it into a fun honky-tonk where people could come and enjoy country music and cut loose. His wife at the time, Janet Mackey, had an odd and eerie feeling about the place that she couldn't quite put her finger on. She was pregnant at the time. Jeez. After purchasing the property, Janet was cleaning up the kitchen and bar area and felt unseen hands pushing her down into a sink filled with water. She screamed out in pure terror. Bobby came to her aid and she told him what happened. He didn't believe her and thought she was just tired and just imagining things. Over time, Janet felt isolated and alone as these awful attacks kept happening to her and she didn't have the support of her husband. Things continued to escalate. Bobby hired a friend by the name of Carl Lawson to come up and take care of the nightclub as he thought the stress was getting to be too much for Janet. Janet and Carl both had unexplained experiences, and they bonded over it. Mm-hmm. Bobby never admitted that anything ever happened and laughed it off whenever Carl or Janet confronted him with a yet another messed-up story of poltergeist activity. Carl moved into the apartment on the second floor and became the resident caretaker. One day, when Janet was about five or five and a half months pregnant, unseen hands pushed her down a flight of stairs and she landed on her stomach. Janet was rushed to the hospital and was terrified that she might lose her baby. Fortunately, though her baby was several months premature, he survived. She told Bobby she would never step inside that nightclub again for fearing something evil and sinister stalked her there. She still swore she felt something that wasn't there push her down those stairs. Several years later, her and Bobby would end up divorcing. And that's not that surprising. Your husband doesn't believe you after several things happen. And then this other guy that you obviously trust to run your business and take care of the property, you don't believe his ass either. It just doesn't, it just blows my mind. But anyway, and also, did you notice the trend besides murder and violence? It's always the five month mark when these women are pregnant that something is happening and they either die or they're killed or someone unseen tries to off them or their baby. It just, it's messed up. Yeah, there's a lot happening. But believe it or not, here's where things get even more messed up. Well, poor Carl Lawson. He underwent an extreme amount of paranormal phenomena within the walls of Bobby Mackey's music world. Things got so bad that he swears to this day he was possessed by a demon that had made its home in the basement of the nightclub. Carl went through an exorcism to rid, rid himself of the evil entity. His entire life was turned upside down. He now claims he has a healthy respect for the paranormal and knows there is definitely a heaven and a hell. Uh, hence why they describe that pesky well in the basement as the portal to hell. But not all of the spirits are considered evil. Joanna has been reported to make her presence known by filling the air with the smell of roses. She supposedly wore rose perfume in life. Once a motorcyclist wrecked in front of the club in the early hours of the morning when no one was around because the club was closed. Uh, this was also before Carl lived in the apartment upstairs. The bikers told EMTs and police officers that after he wrecked, a beautiful young woman came rushing through the front doors and out to him 
on the street in front of the club. She draped a blanket over him and comforted him until the approaching sirens of the ambulance echoed in the distance. As quickly as she emerged, she headed back to the building and disappeared into the darkness behind the doors of the club. A few weeks later, the biker showed up at the club while Janet and Bobby were straightening things up. He said he'd come to thank the young woman who'd helped comfort him after his wreck. The biker was deeply confused and disturbed when Janet and Bobby told him that they didn't have a young lady living there or working for them at the club. Other crazy stories of hauntings have been reported throughout the years. One man claimed he got his ass kicked in the restroom of the club several years ago. Which might be alcohol-induced, just saying. Yeah. Uh, he said he couldn't fight back because his assailant was invisible. It's Could be alcohol, the, yes. It's on a police report. Yeah. He said that on the actual police report, so I'm sure that went over really well. Other encounters have happened on ghost tours. Several people have reported smelling roses, seeing shadows lurking in the corners of the basement, seeing a headless woman walking around outside the club, and seeing Joanna appear in the mirror of the women's restroom. No. Hail to the no. Yeah, I'm out on that. When the terrified women uh, turn around to face her, she's gone. The popular shows Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures put this place back on the map for believers and skeptics alike. While odd things happened to Jay and Grant on Ghost Hunters, nothing compared to the creepy, demonic voices that were captured by Zach Baggins and his team on Ghost Adventures. If you believe in the evidence of shows such as this, I urge you to check out these episodes online. They just might send chills down your spine. I do see what you did there. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Am I a little, at least a little bit better than Joanna? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so if you're ever visiting Cincinnati, pop over the river and visit, visit Bobby Mackey's, because it's still around, and get a feel for the place for yourself. It may not be that aesthetically pleasing, but it's still a very eerie place. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, the history of this establishment is enough to disturb the average person. So, you've been to Bobby Mackey's. I have been to Bobby Mackey's, so it was one of the only places in the area when I turned 18 that I could go to. Most places around here are 21 and up, so my friends decided, hey, well, there's dancing, and there's country music, and there's things that we can do, and they'll just put big red X's on your hand since you're 18. We can at least go and pretend that we're adults and have a fun time. <laughs> so um, we decided to go, and um, I went there. I went there one day, and they had ghost tours. There was a local paranormal team that would run the desk on Friday and Saturday nights. That would you paid, you know, five dollars or something like that to go on the tour. And the tours were about thirty, forty minutes long. So I didn't have any cash on me. So we decided the next weekend we'd go back. And when we show up, we get our place in line. We go, and of course, there's some drunk people that go on the tour. So that's a little. It, could, it was a little irritating because I'm trying to listen to the guy that's giving the tour and it was hard to hear some things sometimes. But all throughout the basement, it is extremely, extremely eerie. Of course, basements are creepy places anyway, so it's going to make you feel uneasy and on edge. Um, one of the rooms that he took us in was the old dressing rooms for the dancers um, in the 1950s when it was the Latin Quarter. And at one point when it was the Primrose and there was a bunch of illegal gambling and whatnot, that's the area where the mobsters would literally beat you to death or chop off a finger for a debt owed, something of that nature. And they claim, the tour guide claimed that the stains that were on the concrete walls and brick walls were that of like old blood stains from people being beaten to death, basically, in that area of the basement. You cannot get blood out of concrete. Is that true? Yeah. Of course ha it's true. Brandy, how do you know this? 
It's not your business how I know it. I just know things. <laughs> you sound you sound guilty. I will neither confirm nor deny, but I'm telling you, you can't. It's hard. It's very porous. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Well, a lot of the they said that it's the also the room of faces or the hall of faces, and the reason they said that is because they think a lot of the spirits that are trapped there that were murdered on the premises. I mean, if you stare hard enough, you can find a face in anything. I can't remember what the effect is called off the top of my head, but humans are programmed to find faces in anything, whether it's orbs of light or whatever it might be. So when you go down there, you can, your eyes play tricks on you and you find twisted freaking faces in the walls and these stains. It's just, it was just eerie. It was a really weird situation. Well, they, then they said how there were a couple times where people would pass out randomly on the tour who hadn't been yet drinking, who specifically only came to Bobby Mackey's for the tour. And there were a few people that would be scratched. I think one woman had her hair pulled and there was literally nothing around. Um, I know on a few paranormal investigative shows, they always say if you feel the sensation of walking through cobwebs, even if it's in the middle of an open field, that's usually you walking through a spirit or some kind of energy. I don't really know if I believe that, but I, I had that sensation at one point. But then again, I was in a creepy freaking basement that used to be a slaughterhouse. So then, Brandy, they took us into the room where there was this creepy well that was covered over with basically plywood. And the, the well was filled. They filled had filled it in, but the outside of it was still there. And knowing about Pearl Bryant and all the other history that they told us, it, it's enough to freak you out, too. Well, there was this guy that all of a sudden turns around and had these bright scratch marks on his neck and part partly down his back. And people were whipping out, you know, their cameras and taking pictures of it and everything. And I personally didn't see anything near him, didn't see anyone around him. So it was a little odd all of a sudden how he complained of this burning sensation. And we found these scratches and there were three of them. Um, but it was it was a little odd that he had that. But then again... Other people had been drinking. Who knows if someone did it to him to mess with him or if he did it to himself to kind of get some kind of attention or something. I'm not really sure. But it was it was very weird and very odd and uncomfortable. And other than that, it's just a really creepy ass basement. And there's some really weird history that you can't deny there. There's some there's some bad mojo going on. I'm out. Yeah. Well, we should go just because I haven't been there in years and I feel like we should go. You'd fit it. You'd fit right in. <laughs> you could ride the mechanical bull. Yeah, I did that in my younger days. I'm out. I've seen some some pretty funny things there. Anyway, so that's the story of Bobby Mackey's, and I'm glad that I got to share this experience with you guys. And I also want to read a listener story that we got in. But while I look that up, Brandy, you want to tell everybody where they can follow us on social media and donate to our Patreon? Patreon? Sure. Every little bit helps on Patreon, so if you want to donate, you can go to patreon.com backslash uh, Haunted Visions. Uh, you can go to the Haunted Visions Facebook page. Um, we've got a private group that you can go into and talk about stuff, or there's just the regular page. We're also on Twitter. Is it Haunted Visions Podcast on Twitter? Yes. That's what I thought. So we're also on Twitter. And if you have any ghost stories, Rachel will go over this again, but if you have any ghost stories that you want to share with us, you can email them to us. Is it Haunted Visions Podcast at Gmail? It is. Ah, look at me. Two for two today. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can follow us on any of those things. And Rachel is going to go with our ghastly ghost segment. 
All right. So this person doesn't want to be identified, which is totally fine. If you guys send us in stories and you want to be anonymous, all you have to do is tell me and I won't include your name. So this person says in their email, let me start by saying that I appreciate your podcast. It makes the day fly by while I'm at work. The next thing I would like to do is request that if you read my story on the podcast, please keep my name off the air. The story occurred during a combat deployment in Afghanistan. We all know that war is hell, but those of us who have been in combat and seen it firsthand come away with a very different view of life and death. Thank you for your service. Yes, thank you very much for your service. We wouldn't be here without you. So, this person goes on to state, We were dropped into a very remote portion of Afghanistan along the Pakistan border with two commands. Kill the enemy and help rebuild the local population by winning the hearts and minds of the locals. Within the first three days of our arrival, we were consistently mortared at least twice per day. The fourth day, we were growing accustomed to this when the mortar attack suddenly shifted and began landing in local village around half a mile from our location. A QRF, which is a quick reaction force, was spun up and sent to see if the locals needed medical assistance. See, winning the hearts and minds. Upon the return of the QRF, there was a short skirmish that erupted near the front gate. The military vehicles and personnel that had gone to the village made it back inside along with a few of the wounded local villagers. One of these wounded was a little girl no older than 8 to 12 years of age. She was shoved into my arms and I turned to sprint toward the medical tent as she was covered in blood and had shrapnel sticking out of different parts of her body, including her head. Before we could make it 100 yards to the medics, she died. In his arms. But the creepy part is the following. The medical tent is located near the base of one of the watchtowers. At night, when we pulled guard duty, there was always some sort of creepy unforeseen presence that was something, like there was something watching you. Most would say it's enemy personnel, but I know the feeling all too well, and this was just different. One night I was pulling my guard shift when I look up to see this little girl sort of walking, kind of floating towards me. She stopped about eight feet from me and started stating in broken English, hello, followed by Pepsi. Pepsi is one of the few words that the locals knew that would get them something sweet. I didn't respond to this, but instead I walked away. She sort of followed me and then turned and walked through the mid wall and disappeared. I was slightly shaken at this, but decided not to tell anyone for fear that they would think I was getting a little battle crazy and refer me to mental health. This occurred at least two more times throughout the 12-month period that I was there. At some point a month or two later, someone made mention of having a similar encounter. I was so relieved that I wasn't the only one who had seen this, and I started talking to a few people about it. As it turns out, there were at least 15 other people who had taken a turn at that specific tower who had encountered this little Afghan girl. Wow, that is a crazy story. That's that's really sad, but that's so eerie, too. It's like she doesn't know that she's gone. It's very sad. Um, but again, thank you. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for sharing that story with us. It's very deep, yes. Rachel, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Um, that's all from us today, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And um, again, we are going to be at the Pottern Love Convention, August 10th through the 12th in New Orleans. Um, if you'd like to attend the convention, it's called Pottern Love. If you um, also want to go check it out, if you want to email us at hauntedvisionspodcast at gmail, we can give you a discount code also if you want to purchase tickets. And we hope to hear from you guys soon. If you want to reach out to us and give us feedback, we would appreciate it. 
If you like us, please rate us and give us a good review on iTunes. And if you don't like us, please send me an email and let us know what we can improve on, what you like and what you don't like. That's it. All right, guys. Until next time, thank you so much and sleep tight. Don't let the ghosties bite. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.